Freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. As we said, hello, freaks. It's going to require some freakishness for you to enjoy this one. Hello, this is Radical Research. I'm Jeff Wagner, and you are? Hunter Ginn. Hunter Ginn, also known as Radish. I'm just, I'm just going to pick whatever name And hey, have, hey, come yeah. here. We, come here. We got somebody else in the room. Oh, sweet. Mom again. Mom again. Oh, let's hear from Mom again. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Hi, Mom again. You are the very first guest on any Radical Research episode ever. We have Ella, never... come here. Oh, oh, we got another one. Uh, Ella, Ella, come here, babe. Come here. I want you to talk on the radio. <laughs> All you have to say... say, hey, Mr. Jeff. Hi, Ella. Hi, my friend, Ella. 60 episodes, and that's, our, that's uh, the first other humans we've allowed on the... Milestone. A milestone. It really is. <laughs> it's 2021. It's, uh, it's time for big change, so we're going to... We're going to have Claire and Ella with us every episode <laughs> <laughs> talking about Dottom's guard and such. Um, yeah, but uh, there you are. Here I am. We're in a new year. Not much happened in the news so far this first week in 2020. Yeah, no, so really, non-eventful. <laughs> this is uh, an episode about Helios Creed, which I imagine will be lost on some of our listeners, uh, but knowing them, hopefully be open-minded and tune in and listen to uh, what all this madness is about. Helios Creed is a guitarist, uh, born in California, I think Long Beach area, and uh, joined a band named Chrome in 1977, which uh, was the band of a guy named Damon Edge, uh, who has since passed. What do you know about Chrome Hunter, and what, what was your entry into Helios Creed? Uh, big Chrome fan. I got into, as you well know, sort of indie rock and noise rock at the same time that I got into metal. Um, so I was into amphetamine reptile and that whole thing. Um, and that led me into Helios Creed and then Chrome. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, obviously I was into like weird psychedelic metal and all that weird shit and Chrome and Helios Creed were like sort of fitting companions. Oh yeah. There, there are a few interesting intersections in terms of bands that we could throw out there that um, this is maybe akin to uh, we'll, we'll continue to do that through the episode, but I think there is such a, 
individual streak here. <laughs> Anybody familiar with Chrome will sort of recognize some of the guitar nuttiness. Helios is, and I don't know if that's his given name. I haven't ever found any other, but he I is, it is. I, I do too. Um, hippie parents, I'm hoping. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, he likes effects. Is, it, is that fair to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not getting any like dry Telecaster tones from Helios Green. Right, right. So, um, but Chrome was kind of cult and then Helios came out. And from what I remember, and I got into Helios uh, in late 80s, I think I've told the story on a few episodes of sort of just my immersion into the world of Melvin's and No Means No and that sort of stuff. Uh, and Helios was kind of right in there in terms of the bands of that world that kind of appealed to me. I had friends listening to Cows and Jesus Lizard and some other bands I didn't really care for, but some I really picked up on and, and got really deeply into. And Helios is one of them. So with that said, let's, let's talk about a little bit about X-Rated Fairy Tales. This was his first solo album took him four years to follow it up, which we'll get to that, of course. Uh, but X-Rated is pretty special, if only for the fact that they look like Duran Duran on the back cover. <laughs> Do they not? Yeah, that seems to me somewhat unintentional, but yes. I think it's the maybe, times. Maybe it was intentional. I, I don't know. It, it, it could it, be parody. It's the times. It doesn't look like yeah. it, They look like missing persons meets, you know, I mean, Helios looks like Simon Le Bon on the back cover. Um, <laughs> Bill Roth, the drummer and synth player, looks like he's from Missing Persons, perhaps. Mark Duran, the bass player, who would go on to play in a couple others. Um, Mark Duran Duran. There you go. See? <laughs> and again, even yeah. John Carlin on synths. So, um, yeah. Uh, interesting that there's a lot of synths on this album, where I think after this, uh, Helios, mostly just, guitar. Helios mostly took over on guitar and made things sound like maybe they could have been generated by synths. We opened up with a song called Unhuman Condition from this pretty great album. We're going to play a little bit from the title track called X-Rated Fairy Tales. This is, I would say, not typical of Helios's major or main thread, but I love it. And I always wished he had done a little more in this vein.
there's a dualism at work here in a way that anticipates the pastoral edge of post-rock. Um, I hear flying saucer attack, mm. um, Bristol, UK, particularly. Also, Le Bradford. I know you're aware of them. Yeah, um, of course. Um, but also reaching back to, as you noted, uh, early Genesis, and and also sort of the the bucolic end of, you know, prog rock and psychedelia from that age. Oh yeah, I think some of that backwards guitar stuff, if that's indeed what we're hearing, sort of at the end of that snippet, you know, could have been something from say the first Porcupine Tree album, maybe which itself is influence probably shares more influences with this. I'm not suggesting it's a direct influence, but yeah, I mean, it comes from that world of like this sort of uh, laconic psych, this really not so it's a little bit pastoral, but it's also really cosmic. There's a veil over it. It's, it's ghostly in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, again, this was, this song was atypical of Helios Creed. We're going to play one later from his sixth album that I think revisits it finally. But I remember being a fan and picking up, picking up on Helios in 89 and getting all the records and following him as he was putting out records in the early nineties and kind of wishing for a little bit more of this flavor. Uh, I was never that disappointed because his main thing is pretty cool and interesting, but yeah, this is just (laughs) kind of an outlier of a song for him really. Yeah, no, I love the hippie edge of this. This was released on subterranean records and we were having a discussion about this record uh, a couple weeks ago and how it is maybe one, the only one or one of the few that has any real kind of cred in, in the kind of more, I don't want to say hipster indie rock crowd, but the kind of, let's just say it, the, the wired crowd, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me, you have a better grip on, on that world. Um, Pitchfork. Pitchfork. There you go. Okay. But how is this album looked at, do you think, in hindsight? Is it, is it well regarded? Is it well remembered? Oh, absolutely. I, and, and I think part of that is probably just a symptom of Helios Creed's having been involved in Chrome. Yeah. Um, and, and Chrome is so well regarded and considered a, you know, a cornerstone of left field, uh, you know, American underground rock. It is, it, it is. And, you know, I think Helios took the lead from Chrome pretty well. I didn't keep up. So I don't know how well Chrome kept the threat of Chrome going, but I do think that Helios took half machine lip moves and alien soundtracks to right. uh, kind of the, it's cliche to say, but kind of that proverbial next level. Yeah. We jumped to album number two. It was also on subterranean, which is a pretty interesting label. Subterranean also put out records by the leather nun flipper uh, Chrome. I think they put out some kind of single or something. Uh, Frightwig controlled bleeding. Did you have much of awareness of Subterranean as you were getting into indie rock? And the, yeah, yeah, a little bit, because I knew Controlled Bleeding. I absolutely abhor Flipper. I think they're one of the worst bands of all time. Same. Yeah, just, just literally offensive to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I had some awareness of that label. Right, right. But yeah, here Helios landed four years later. I, 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 sus- I, I couldn't find any information on this either, but I suspect it was recorded maybe 87, 88, uh, giving it a little bit more of a link to the first album. But came out in 89, one of the first two albums that came out in 89 from Helios. And uh, we're going to play the title track and a song called Who Cares from this album back to back. Oh, 
Yeah, he often underpins all the psychedelic wanderings with this mechanistic churning snarl. Oh yeah, um, we're gonna this kind of like proto-industrial, or I guess it's not proto at this point, but but the the sort of insistent propulsive rhythm that would characterize the industrial of the '90s. Sure, I hear that. It's hypnotic. It, it is propulsive and, and repetitive. I also hear some sort of Sabbathy element to this in the way sure. that, that I hear that on Gary Newman's Replicas album. Like, I say that and I'm cheating a little bit because I know that both of those artists, Newman and Creed, were hugely influenced by early Black Sabbath. Of course, they don't sound anything like them, but you can kind of hear but, the root and the inspiration. Um, sure. Helios Creed's kind of infamous for saying, um, and I think this is on maybe his Wikipedia page, but I've read it elsewhere where he was, he got his trademark sound, the guitar. And, I, and I'm assuming, you know, this rhythm section thing we're talking about comes into it. Uh, he got that in his head while listening to Black Sabbath on LSD on headphones when he was a teenager. That'll kind of do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it will. It'll do a lot of things. <laughs> it'll do a lot of things. Uh, it'll turn you into Helios Creed, I guess. <laughs> for, um, for instance. For instance. Pretty amazing. I also hear, we'll hear in the in the forthcoming albums, I think more, but we hear some Hawkwind for sure. Oh, of course. Just in the sense of like, some sometimes it's like a one trick pony. Like here's the idea. We're going to circle around that for five to 10 minutes and try to make it as hypnotic as possible. Try to obfuscate it in effects as much as possible. I think that's where the Hawkwind link really is. If that's not obvious. No, it's very obvious. That's where like the full on indulgence and in effects pedals like begins to me. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I even hear some Steve Hillage solo stuff from the seventies in Helios's music. Yeah. And I think one, one thing we got to get out of the way is like, it's not anything like Osric tentacles, but I think both Helios Creed and Osric tentacles have this similar effect. And I don't even love tentacles. I think they're, yeah, okay. they're okay, but they get really boring really quick. I think they're a lot of bluster and I think they wear off very quickly. I have a lot of respect for them though, but I guess I draw the parallel because I do feel like you can get in a similar headspace with both bands where sure. you're just cycling around something and you're building onto it and you're not even building onto it as much as your, your mind may tell you. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Anything else you hear in the music of Helios that you could at least draw a parallel to? Not even like an insp uh, a suspected inspiration, but just anything else. Um, maybe Amon Duel. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Helios uh, recorded actually with Nick Turner of Hawkwind to bring them back into the conversation on some kind of Nick Turner, Helios Creed and somebody else type album. And I think Nick Turner was on one of the later Helios Creed albums as well. So it's interesting that he uh, befriended what had to be one of his idols uh, in one of his favorite bands, what has to be one of his favorite bands. Um, oh, yes, certainly. Earth and Sound strives to fight against boxy, ill-fitting, ugly, and cheaply made shirts and hoodies. Earth and Sound is producing 100% official, high-quality, eco-friendly garments with an eye toward comfort and design. Resurrecting classic metal designs, as well as producing new designs, Earth and Sound combats inflated eBay prices, bootleggers, and pricey shipping rates that come with buying shirts from Europe. 
To start, they are now accepting pre-orders for shirts and hoodies from the legendary bands Confessor and Disharmonic Orchestra, and with more designs in the works. Check it out at earthinsound.org. So, Hunter, Earth and Sound is Jason Walton. This is no secret. Uh, We appreciate his sponsorship. We, in turn, hope that our listeners will check out earthandsound.org and uh, support him by buying some of these shirts. Quality is very high. They are very comfortable. And I, uh, I can't wait to see what other designs he does. I'm sure like a lot of our listeners do, he's probably getting emails already of people wanting uh, this or that shirt. <laughs> yeah. Which, which one, what, what band or, and you're not a big band shirt wearer, but let's just say you were. And let's say, say you really wanted a t-shirt of a particular band and album. Like what would you be knocking Jason's door down for? Thought industry. Thought industry. Well, you know, it's Jason. He, he might get on that. The thing is, these are official. Like he's, he's contacting the bands and making sure that they're getting part of this. Um, so I think that's a pretty fantastic thing. Yeah. Can't wait to see what he does. Can't, can't yeah, what, what you going to do? What you going to do? Uh, I can't wait to see what he does. And I think starting with Confessor and Disharmonic Orchestra is certainly dangling a carrot. In front Super of badass. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So kudos to Earth and Sound. Earthandsound.org. You know, Hunter, you talked about that propulsive undertow of the bass guitar and drums as Helios kind of takes his crazy flights of effects and everything all over the place. I think that really comes to the fore and starts to really become solidified as his style on the third album, The Last Laugh. Um, The two snippets we're going to play are probably the best example of that in his entire catalog. They're absolute favorites of mine. But they really do that. They, they're going to be paired here. So they're probably going to sound quite similar to each other in, in, in a way. I find these infectious. I find these to be high points in his catalog. This is Nurbasian Anasian and Late Bloomer from 1989's The Last Laugh.
So I think here the layers of psychedelia get complicated and compounded and layered and confused because I think that you do have that original era of psychedelic music. We've talked about Hawkwind, we've talked about Amon Duel. Um, obviously, Hendrix is uh, an influence here. Sure. But also, like the post punk reconfiguration of psychedelia. Mm. And, and that's obviously, like, he's, he's certainly in the mix of that. And so I, I feel like you get this multi-layered, confused, palimpsest kind of uh, psychedelia. Yeah, and it's, it's cool to get your take on it because I, I think you're, you're exactly right. And, um, you know, I'm under no illusion that this comes from the metal world. But I, coming at this stuff as a person in my, what was I, 19, 20, 21 years old, still probably 95% metal in terms of my listening. And to hear something like this, it sort of did strike a chord and I'm coming at it from a very different world than say uh, either post-punk or any kind of psychedelia or even Prague because I really wasn't uh, t- turned on to that stuff quite yet. But this had a similar vibe to me. There was a darkness here. There was a foreboding. You can hear in Late Bloomer uh, those vocals that sound um, incredibly menacing and just flat out evil. And we'll get a little sure. bit more of that on the next album. Um, that appealed to me. And I just think the swirl of confusion, the swirl, uh, the miasma, basically. Um, yes, which, yes, perfect. Which word. is what I would start hearing in metal of the late 80s with thrash and like some of the, the death metal that I was listening to it had that similar effect of feeling chaotic, feeling incredibly discordant and a little bit off-putting and also a little bit uh, very magnetic and attractive. I don't know. There's just something, there was a parallel there that, that drew me to this big time. And Last Laugh was the first one I got into. Uh, and I think largely because of Nurbasian and Asian and Late Bloomer, my two favorite songs off that album. There were no other snippets getting in from that one on this show. I and he continued. And, you know, it's funny because this is when he became really prolific. Like we had these two albums in 89 and then one in 90, another one in uh, 91. And Not, 90, yeah, 91, 92. Yeah. Boxing the Clown was the fourth one. And this thing is, a, it's a very short album. It's like 30 minutes. It gets really, really, it gets really, really blurry in spots. You know, it, I was going to say, it's kind of a mess. It's it's almost formless in spots. Um, yeah. I love that you know what, about you know what, it. You know what else is a mess? Clowns. Clowns are a mess, yeah. Oh, you know what? Um, it, we, we should back up for just a second. I want to mention Daniel House, who played bass on Last Laugh. I think that's important. Uh, this guy was uh, an early member of Skinyard, who were, uh, I hate when people call them proto-grunge, but I guess they kind of were. Uh, yeah. They also brought in a, uh, a kind of proggier edge to the Seattle sound that was emerging at that time. Still I, I've always thought that both Skinyard and Soundgarden were both art rock bands in a way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The like early, heavy, heavy art rock. I, I, I completely agree with you. I shake your hand on that one 100%. Um, but yeah, Daniel House is part of that. Um, he's done a lot of other stuff in, in the biz, but uh, uh, I like that we get him on this album. This is the one and only Helios Creed album he played on. 
We also get drums by a guy named Jason Finn on The Last Laugh. This is also his only Helios Creed album. He is known from a really early lineup of Skin Yard, uh, a band called Presidents of the United States of America and a band called Love Battery. So Love, Love, Love Battery, hate Presidents. <laughs> can, can you tell me about Presidents? I don't know much about them. Um, they, they had a huge song um, in the mid-90s, I think around 95, called Peaches. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and it was just one of those weird, like, 90s one-offs, like Marcy Playground or Better Than Ezra. That they, like, like strange, like, alt-rock hit. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. They're terrible. All right. Yeah. All right. But um, I'm, I'm totally into Love Battery. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I knew. Love Battery was. A, I don't. I don't know how much you know about them. They were sort of a psychedelic, like when when Sub Pop was trying to sort of get out of their assumed lane and get into you know to other things. Yep. And Love Battery was very much influenced by like Nuggets and you know late sixties psychedelia. Here we go again. Okay. Um, and yeah, they they put out a couple of really great records. Day Glow was the first one I got into. And okay, all yeah, right. yeah, good band. Oh, it's all coming together, wheels within wheels. And by <laughs> this by this time, uh, as of the last laugh and the next album, Boxing the Clown, which we'll get back to, uh, Helios had landed on Amphetamine Reptile, uh, which was a label that seems like a great home for Helios, and indeed was for for quite a few albums. This Boxing the Clown album, uh, his fourth. Uh, featured drums by uh, Ray Washam and bass by Mark Duran, who uh, came back for a third and, and final time with Helios. Ray Washam, also of note, played in Scratch Acid, Rape Man, The Digits, and, and quite a few others. Rape Man, of course, being the short-lived project with um, Steve Albini. Yeah, Scratch uh, Acid, the, you know, very important pre-Jesus Lizard band, though from Texas, yep. before Jesus Lizard immigrated to Chicago. And uh, here we have, like, like we said, this, is, this, this thing gets blurry after a while. We are going to play two tracks that I think are on the polar opposite ends of Boxing the Clown, uh, not only in the track list, but just sort of in the stylistic approach. Uh, the first one is the leadoff track, Master Blaster. And then the final one is Big Clown, which ends the album. And uh, there's some evil going on there for sure. I hate Big Clowns. Yeah, see, see, I know, but that, that's why. They're, and, and they're always evil. <laughs> well, this is probably your favorite song then. Ever. Fuck this song. Fuck this song. <laughs> Fuck this song. You don't really mean that. Come on. No. Nah.
I find Big Clown to be about as vile, unnerving, and bleak as about any black metal you care to name. <laughs> it just, it just gives chills. It's it it's does. A, it's a it's a scary piece of music. Yeah, it is. It's you know it's the trip that goes wrong. <laughs> very much. Yeah, very much. And I think you could, if you were being pessimistic, you could say that about a lot of Helios Creed's albums mm. in general. But I don't know. I, I think there's a spirit to a lot of it uh, that's a, maybe a little more upbeat than I that. I agree. Totally. But yes, he can really, he can usually take a turn into the bad trip. And, and this one is a particular favorite of mine for sure. On this tour, just kind of incidentally, really, my band that I was in in Iowa City played, um, opened for Helios Creed. I can't remember if I've ever told you this story, but um, he loves effects, obviously. And there was a drunken Iowa City patron uh, named Bill Cooney, who sadly passed last year. I didn't stay in touch with him, but I uh, keep in touch with a few of the people from that whole era. And that's also incidental. But um, Bill Cooney was a bit of a partier. And I tell this story, I guess, in his memory. Um, <laughs> even though it doesn't make him look very good, but he was so drunk and he was at the front of the stage while Helios was playing and was like kind of double fisting beers in plastic cups. And uh, the shit was getting all over Helios's effects pedals. And in fact, by the end of the night, some of the pedals were completely unusable. And um, Mr. Creed was pissed. I mean, as you can imagine, (laughs) because Mr. Creed, Mr. Cree was pissed. And, you know, this is his, this is his lifeblood. This is, if he doesn't have the pedals, you know, I don't. Now, like you're, yeah, you're not playing any of these songs acoustically. No, God, no. Uh, I wouldn't even want to hear him electric without the pedals. It's just a huge yeah. part of his sound. It's kind of like taking keyboards away from Keith Emerson. Like, what you know, it, it's just not going to work. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty crazy. And uh, I, I didn't really get to meet him. I do remember a little bit of interaction that we had with him was he seemed pretty um, strange and pretty standoffish or just didn't want to deal with us little punks. Um, <laughs> but it was a packed house. It was great. And my one and only time I saw Helios Creed live. It was, it was very, very good. We move on. We move on to an yeah, album. Like maybe yeah, we sorry. should do a, a show like, uh, the bands that Fleshdig opened for. <laughs> well, that we already did. We already did the two main ones because I don't think we're going to do a Smashing okay, well. Pumpkins. We're not doing a Smashing Pumpkins show simply because I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah. You are. Maybe you could take me down the road, but we did open for them. I've, um, I've tried to take you down the road. And we did, we did open for No Means No. And like, as far as the other stuff, you know, Das Domin. Do you remember them? Uh, <laughs> okay. Jeff. Um, and how about Lay Thugs? I don't think we played with Lay Thugs. Well, you did. Uh, if you want to believe that, <laughs> I, maybe I don't think so. Uh, maybe I made that up. There's a couple others, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, of course I remember Das Damon. I'm, dude. Yeah. Okay. Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who, are you, who are you talking to over here? You talking to son? Yeah. Who are you so talking to? The next album. Um, speaking of who I'm talking to, you uh, is this your favorite Helios <laughs> Creed album? What lactating? Lactating purple. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, I, we we got to mention the title lactating purple. Like if you're ever lactating the color purple there, you better see a doctor and you better see what better. Yes. <laughs> Does a ever a specialist. <laughs> Do not consult your general practitioner. <laughs> great title. Great cover. I mean, this thing was packaged well. And this, this album's a trip. I mean, and it, you know, duh, it goes without saying we're talking about Helios Creed, but this album's particularly trippy. Would, would you Wait, agree? Which is probably why it's, 
maybe my favorite Helios Creed record. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's very, very trippy.
I love the two sides of this record that those songs represent. You get this sort of weird Calvert era Hawkwind and like spiky post-punk mm. and the it's completely cosmic drift of the last track. Yeah. That's the thing. Like as simple as some of his stuff appears to be, uh, I think when you take them as full albums, uh, they can be incredibly satisfying if this is where you want to, what you want to get your head around. Something like Amenti, the last one, for instance, like it just starts with that melody, which I think is a melody that's been used numerous times by other bands and many other genres. It just, it has a familiarity to it, but it's really what he does with it and what his band does with it that makes it mesmerizing. And that could go on for 10 minutes as far as I'm concerned. And I'd probably listen to it. I'd probably be happy. I probably wouldn't take it off or get frustrated. There's just a magic about it. For, for both of us, there's something really compelling about yeah. his earlier music. And, and we hope we've done some justice to it in this episode. I will say that I never really explored much after the next album, Kiss to the Brain. I, for a while, did have and owned uh, the next three after that. Was it, was it Planet X, Busting Through the Van Allen Belt, and Nug the Transport, which all had some good stuff. But I started to realize that one probably doesn't need every single Helios Creed album in one's collection. Yeah, neither does one need every Hawkwind album. <laughs> right, right. I have quite a few, but then, then I start questioning once I start getting into the mid to late 80s. Like, do I really need, was it fucking Palace Springs or whatever? I don't know. Yeah, there's, there, there comes a point, right, where these bands right. are so prolific. And I think they get kind of stuck in what they do. And that's not like even a, an insult. It's more just they kind of figure themselves out. They kind of figure out what they do. It's like, it's like some TV shows, actually, some series that I've watched in the past where first few seasons are amazing. But then once they figure out everybody's character, they just kind of play to that character and they make sure they get everybody's thing in and everybody's line in. And, it, you know, you, you miss the chemistry. You miss this sort of um, the kind of kinetic. Yeah, spontaneity. Spontaneity of it all. Exactly. And I think, yeah. I think that's what we hear with Helios Creed where, you know, we start with X-rated fairy tales. We get to Superior Catholic Finger and he's clearly still figuring out what it is he does uh, and i think he starts to find it with albums three four five and six um, right. offers a lot of great variety in those and i just personally never found a reason to go, move forward or or stay with those anyway i got rid of all those eventually and just you know i think there have been five or six albums since those i think he's got like 13 or 14 albums out um so it's just one of those cases where you know maybe you don't need to be a completist but we'd sure like to hear from any helios creed completist who's listening now and uh maybe can offer their own um, sample episode with uh, tracks from all the later ones. I, I'd be willing to check it out anyway, especially if you can send us the CDs for free to PO box 818. <laughs> <laughs> Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Our PO box in Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. Let's move to kiss to the brain. Now this, this album, and, and this is kind of like him going out on a really high note. When I say going out, I say that for me just as a fan, like, you know, sure. um, this is where I end this. I'm happy to end here because I really do feel like this was a certain peak. Where I end too, incidentally. Okay. Okay. We haven't talked about this album too much, actually, you and I, but I know that um, we both hold it in high regard. I just feel like he was like, okay, you know, lactating purple was a lot of drift or a lot of, um, a lot of experimentation in terms of, I don't know. It just didn't feel like a bunch of songs. It feels like one long album where I think Kiss to the Brain feels like uh, a lot of solid songs and a, still a lot of pretty cool ideas. And we're going to, we picked out two of the coolest. 
And, and I just think there's just a certain element to the recording quality to, to kind of everything about this album that, that speaks to me. What about you? Anything else to say about this one? Same. Yeah, no, it's, it's a much tighter record. And, and maybe that this is why I felt compelled to stop here. Um, because it, it felt like such a good summary of what he's done. Um, but in a more compact and succinct form. Yeah. I feel like if you would have started here, just like hypothetically, um, and then gone to the next one, Planet X, you might've been let down. Yeah. And I was just knowing the first six albums already. Uh, and I just wonder if like somebody that started with this is like expecting, you know, a progression onward. And I don't think you get it on Planet X, quite honestly. Again, we'd love to hear differing viewpoint, but um, yeah, that's our story. We're sticking to it, right? We always do. XL35 and Kiss to the Brain. Uh, Kiss to the Brain, the title track. Pretty long snippet, but we think you'll find it worth it. Hang in there. Drop some more acid. Sirens 
Man, that's great stuff. Uh, if it, any of you have been turned on to this with this episode, uh, go to Discogs, go to eBay, go to wherever you buy your music online. Not hard to find. No, not hard to find. They're, they're still available in CD and LP form. Uh, I'm not sure of the pricing. I imagine it might be 20 bucks, 30 bucks, but shit, you know, you can spend uh, 20 bucks on two beers and they're gone in 15 minutes. So exactly. do the right thing. <laughs> so there you go and you can see what i meant hunter by um kiss to the brain the song kind of getting back into that x-rated fairy tales sort of vibe yep. uh totally. which I, yeah very thankful for that xl35 one of his very very best songs uh kiss to the brain one of his very best albums so um anything to say to wrap up our quick helios creed experience here tonight that we will be continuing along the psychedelic continuum oh uh. You're gonna just go right to that thread. You're just gonna. I just. Gonna, I get. I get right to the the shit, man. You're gonna draw it right into sixty one, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. Life short, brass tacks. <laughs> time is money. Money is time. Dot. I'm scored. EHG. Yeah, we're gonna do a little bit of a discography dive with uh, Norwegian favorites Dottamsgard. We haven't been to Norway for a few episodes, and uh, we think it's high time we return. We've been missing you, Norway. Yeah, we really have. We really have, and. Uh, 
considering the events of the first week of 2021, we wish we were uh, there right now. Um, want to thank Than Scoggin for ordering a copy of Mean Deviation on RadicalResearch.org and also to Paul Kenny and Gwyn Tarasca once again for their donations. Uh, you can do the same as these fine, fine folks uh, by using our PayPal ID, which is the same as our contact email, RadicalResearchPodcast at gmail.com. You can find a variety of shirts and whatnot at radicalresearch.org. We are replenishing the shirt stock because we are just about out of all sizes, but um, don't, don't hesitate to go there because we might have some in stock by the time uh, you listen to this. Again, radicalresearch.org. Again, earthandsound.org. And uh, join us next time. Episode, is it 61 already, Hunter? It is. 61, because this was 60. That makes a whole lot of sense. It Good does. Lord, 61. Boy, in the run-up. Dude, to I, I tell you, like, sequence is back. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's, it's coming back for, for 2021. It was, it was out for a while. <laughs> sequence, 61. Join us in a couple weeks. The Mirror of Pain.